J.T. Crowley is Talking Books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. They'll give you their take on the writing process and how to create the secret sauce of page-turning deliciousness. Let's get into that magical mixture of the art and science of creativity. Here's J.T. Crowley, author of The Smart Kids and your podcast host. Good evening. I'm J.T. Crowley and joining me today is Dr. Penny Claus. She's the author of the Time Stealers books. She's a veterinary surgeon from Dallas, Texas in the U.S. where she lives with her family. Her books are available in various formats on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And for those of us that live in the U.K., you can order them on Waterstones. And but when you have a search for them, you need to search p.claws. There you go, everybody. In addition to the books we're going to talk about um, today with uh, Penny Claus, she has written children's stories, and she's also written Christian devotionals, as well as many other books. But today we're going to be talking about the Time Stealers books, the trilogy, and the two books that she's written so far, and hopefully we'll persuade her to write the third. You never know, everybody. So, Penny Claus, welcome to Talking Books. Thank you, John. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. Penny, your books are uh, very much in the dark fantasy and sci-fi uh, realms. Uh, so you know, these books are going to be appealing to people who love to follow those genres. Um, are you a dark fantasist at heart? I guess I am. Uh, that's what I'm writing. I never thought of it in those terms, but uh, I could see where that it, they could have that label. Um, when I wrote the books, I mainly thought of sci-fi in mind. And uh, then uh, I had one of my readers, uh, actually when they, um, they gave uh, a review on it, they, they mentioned it as a thriller. I thought, okay, well, yeah, that works too. And so the dark fantasy, thriller, sci-fi, I mean, they all could fit. So, but I've never thought of myself as, I guess, intentionally writing in that way. So when you were a kid, did you enjoy reading that genre or did you enjoy reading other genres? When I was a kid, I read uh, books about horses, oh. um, some mystery books, you know, Nancy Drew, uh, that sort of thing. I'm not sure if um, when I was a kid, that was many moons ago, you know, so I couldn't really say if I even even heard of that genre. You know, I've heard of sci-fi. Uh, my dad was into sci-fi. Um, he had some books from way back then. But, um, the, you know, I guess I really, it wasn't in my realm, you know, of knowing it was there, you know, so. But no, I wasn't really exposed to it back then. Now, my daughter, um, especially as she was um, reading some uh, young adult novels, I would read them along with her just to kind of stay in touch with her, you know, as she grew up, you know, as they go into that independence stage and, you know, you know, mom and dad are, are kind of old fashioned relics, you know. So to keep up with her, you know, I'd read some of them and some of them did touch on that. 
but um, but even then, you know, um, I guess it's just, I guess that's the way my mind works. I didn't realize it. Um, Penny, your husband, David, he works with Clockworth uh, Clocks. Yes. Um, was he the one that gave you the inspiration to uh, put the clocks into the books? He he led me into the world of antique clocks and going to the uh, NAWCC meetings. And by in that route, um, that's where I got the inspiration for the books. And he encouraged me. You know, he's helped me with some of the technical type stuff. He helped me with some of the um, imagery. You know, um, at, when the inspiration hit me in one of the clock shows, I call them clock shows, they're district meetings. Um, but they have a, a huge showroom with a bunch of different kinds of clocks and you can buy and trade, you know, um, it's, you know, with other people in that clock world, either collectors or they work on them. And, uh, they, um, it was at one meeting I was teasing our son. We had drug him down to it because we were hoping that he would have an interest in it. And, uh, we bought some grandfather clocks and we bought a whole bunch of other clocks and we were running out of room. You know, this was down in Houston. So we had to pack everything in and bring it back. And um, we teased him because we had a grandfather clock case. And he was a, a preteen, very slender, tall, he would fit. And we teased him that we're gonna you know, put him in there. Well, of course we didn't. But uh, we found a way to get everything in there and get everybody back. But it got me to thinking, remember it hitting me, what would live in clockwork clocks? And how would they look? How would they act? What could they do to people? And that just started a whole string of thought. And on the way back from Houston, I started writing the first draft of the first one. <clears throat> and I asked, uh, I would bounce ideas off Dave and say, well, what do you think about this? And he'd be like, uh, what about this? And then we just kind of back and forth, back and forth. And that's how the, this series came to be. Anybody else inspire you to... Oh my goodness. Um, once it, uh, we reached out to some of the people, you know, in the clockwork community. Um, there's a, a lady that she read some of the work. In fact, she helped me edit the first edit of the first draft, or I thought it was the, the polished works, but, um, and she, uh, um, uh, she's, she's really, really uh, involved in the NAWCC. And she's done a lot of writing on her own, uh, more technical writing. But she went through it and she kind of helped me with it and encouraged me and made some points, you know, also about some of the detail and some of the, the um, phrasing and stuff like that. And, um, and they encouraged me. When the books originally came out and I took them to the clock shows, I gave some away as door prizes. They give a lot of door prizes after each of the educational meetings. And um, some of the readers there encouraged me, you know, uh, they would say, hey, I really enjoyed this. And um, especially uh, down in Houston, um, the uh, one that runs the, uh, the meeting down there, I gave, it, gave him originally to read so he knew what he was giving away. And he said he liked, really liked it. And he was telling, you know, so all these people were telling other people about it especially if they got the, the books, you know, as a door prize. And they're like, what's this? Uh, I was actually in one of those educational meetings at the end of it. 
And um, a guy in front of me got the book. And uh, the lady next to him was a real big reader. And she's been my biggest fan. And um, he got it. She goes, oh, she goes, it's so good. And he goes, oh, okay. Like, okay, he's not going to just trash it. <laughs> you know, he's going to actually read it. So that community has really, really been supportive and encouraging. So uh, in fact, isn't it? I'm sorry. That's fantastic. Yes, and that has really made me more confident and encouraged me. Sure. And they're waiting for the third book, so you know I'm working I'm on it. Coming to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, um, listeners, when you go and have a look at uh, Penny Claus's books. There are two books in the trilogy that she's done so far. Um, you, you'll see all the, the story about the grandfather clocks, the, the pocket watchers, the mechanical regulators. They are fantastic. But, of course, there's something in some of those clocks. And I'm going to go on to that now with Penny, and we're going to explore them. So the books... Um, Penny, they're not just about clockwork clocks, are they? There's time wraths as well as timekeepers. And some of these timekeepers are evil timekeepers, aren't they? What, you know, what gave you the idea, you've already touched upon it, to put all three together into this fabulous trilogy series um thank you for the compliment um the uh to build a story you have to have your adversaries as well as your your um you know the good guys the bad guys the reason why the the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad and uh in this element you know the uh the wraiths who are um you know the beings that live in you know the clockwork clocks so um the to develop the story i mean the world is was easy to develop but the plot to make it interesting to make it function um you know uh, you had to kind of read into the 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 darker realms you know of humanity mm. and of uh groups in general because as i stated in one of the books that out of every group you're going to have your good ones and your bad ones and that's true in humans and that's true with these uh, the time rates as well. So um, the main thing, and especially pointing out in some of the, the details on some of the clocks, is to encourage people to look at the clockwork clocks, to be aware of them. Um, it, when you get down, when you boil it down, I have a story, yes. I'm enjoying writing it. I'm enjoying sharing it. But I'm also trying to make people more aware of the antique clocks um, because uh, there's uh, a lot of room for people to join, you know, into like the NAWCC, into collecting these antique clocks. And uh, there's going to become a shortage of the people that work on them. You know, that's an older generation and it's about to be a lost art. So I'm also trying to encourage young people. Um, and I've had grandparents buy the books for their grandchildren, you know, like, like uh, preteen, you know. Yeah. And um, to try to encourage them. Now, it's a good story, too, but um, at least they say. Uh, and uh, to encourage them into this. And, and when we see young people, these meetings, oh, my goodness, it's just a joy, you know, to share, you know, um, this uh, 
this ancient technology, you know, in a way, um, because it's uh, starting to fall by the wayside. Um, so that's the deepest thing about these books is trying to make people aware of them. And I get feedback, apparently it's working. People are noticing them more. When the tower clocks um, came into uh, the storyline, you know, um, where you get your biggest of the wraiths in them um, that have a, a, a specific function. Um, I had one lady that I had, um, I knew for years and she was from the London area and she um, she helped me with you know kind of get an understanding of how London lays out and some of the areas and stuff like that to to give me some insight you know in London in the UK I'm sorry that London in the UK yes I'm sorry yeah London England yeah because we and, have uh, UK listeners yeah there's probably one more <laughs> uh, but yes London England because uh, Big Ben, um, you know, the, uh, the, the clockworks there, um, I, was, uh, uh, I was needing that uh, to be part of the story. And um, so she helped me with a lot of that. And then after she read the, the, um, one of the uh, final drafts, because I, I want to get her input into what I put to make sure it's as accurate as possible without me actually visiting there, which I'd love to at some point. Um, but, uh, and she, when she went to England, uh, she always went back once a year to see family. She, uh, she said, you know, so after I read those books, I noticed these clocks more, you know, that they've always just been kind of been there and now there's more interest, you know, and she'd send me pictures of some of the interesting clocks in that area. It was just awesome, you know, that she shared that with me. So I really appreciated her input. Wow, it's that amazing story. Now, I once read, uh, Penny, that time wraths, quote, are a race of wraths like beings who are enforcers of the speed force. Would you like to be a time wrath? And if so, would you be a good one? Or would you be uh, a mischievous one? Now, I think for fun, you might be bordering on the little mischievous one. What do you well, think? you know, they have all their personalities. Um, they, uh, but uh, as far as being one, they have a very interesting um, makeup that are revealed in the books, um, step by step. Um, because this is a, a revelation of what they are, who they are, you know, where they came from, you know, uh, as the books kind of go through it. So if I would like to be one, I think it'd be an interesting world. Um, because you have so many abilities in that, that uh, type of being. Um, and mischievous, oh, possibly, but not, not bordering on the bad. I mean, I, that, that's bad. And uh, those are usually, they try to capture and put in the timekeeper's vaults to keep them out of trouble. So, but yes, uh, I, yeah, it'd be interesting to be one. Yes, you, you've got that in your books. Um, you know, as long as the clocks keep running... The time wraths generally stay within the clocks. Generally. Oh. That's her source of energy. Yes. Really? Now that's fascinating. Yeah. That's really fascinating. But if I can just take you back to, say, your first book, um, The Timekeeper's Chronicles. Yes. Your first book uh, in your amazing trilogy, and I'm quite happy to use that superlative, um, the plot 
reveals a, a nefarious ploy that could unnerve human society and desolate uh, uh, the human race uh, by um, altering, um, how shall I say, um, the perception of time. Yes. Would you tell the listeners, without giving too much away, a little bit more about this? Because this is the main plot of the first book, isn't it? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Um, when a wraith interacts with a human directly, what it does, let me back up a little bit. You know, and I know everybody's experienced this, when you have a sense of time either just disappearing, you know, like you're doing something, then all of a sudden you realize that, you know, you think 30 minutes has passed, it's been two hours. Um, or, you know, just that, that displacement of, you know, your mind was elsewhere and, and you just didn't realize, like, made you late, you know, like, you're just, oh, I'm going to do this little thing, you know, before I leave for work, and all of a sudden you look up and you're late, you know, or, um, you know, just that kind of feeling of um, where you thought you had more time and it wasn't there. Hmm. And that's what they do is when they interact with humans, that's, um, they, they throw off that perception of time to where it can really mess you up, you know, make you late, um, where or, you know, if you're driving, this happens, you can get in an accident because you're not, you know, aware of what's going on. Um, or somebody can make a mistake, you know, like at a, a nuclear factory, uh, you know, a, um, uh, you know, where they push the wrong button, you know, because they weren't paying attention, you know, or something like that. And that's how they can affect people. Um, and that's how they can uh, cause problems for the human race. Um. Your main character, you know, is Grant Stone and Charlotte Wright. Right. Were they originally uh, a figment of your imagination or are they loosely based on people that you know? How do you, create, how do you create your characters? How did you create them? Mm, I guess in the attributes that I needed for the story, especially at the beginning of it. And then after that, once they're de developed, they kind of form a character of their own, you know, that you just kind of follow them around, you know, when you're writing. Uh, but I need somebody very strong um, in the male role, uh, the male protagonist, and um, that somebody who you could believe that has been around a very long time, um, who has been taking care of these entities, you know, these rights, for quite a bit of time. Um, then I needed somebody that uh, would come in and would be desperate enough to uh, need to have this world that he's been in for so long explained to her. Um, and so I needed a, a kind of a, um, I guess, a, I don't want to say desperate heroine, but someone who, who just needed to know she wasn't crazy. Um, and, uh, and then having that him help her with it helps me explain to the readers these beings. And then eventually she helps him understand more about them. And that's how that partnership works. Um, so they're totally a figment of my imagination. Um, 
I, I can't think of a person that I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to use them and frame it around them. I really can't. I was just looking for people that had those attributes that, that I needed to tell the story. Are your characters real to you when you're writing the story? Do they travel oh, yeah. in your head all day long? Uh, well, they're crowded out by some of the other characters <laughs> that I have. <laughs> I wrote a short story not too long ago, you know, because I was having a lot of people ask me, well, when is the third, you know, um, Time Stealers coming out? Or when is the, the next part of the Cloud Riders coming out? Stuff like that. And I kind of threw a, a short story together of what, what kind of is going in my imaginary worlds, you know, and how they, they, I have a lot of them clamoring for attention. Yeah, it sounds like you're crazy. But um, they do seem to form, you know, when they become fully formed, a personality of their own. And, um, you know, for the longest time, if I haven't written on a story, it's like they're going, hey, hello, you need to add to us. We're sitting here. We're standing here, you know, like, like a video game. Mm. You know, we just let a character stand. What do no. you want us to do next? You know, come on. Yes, make, exactly. Make Correct us, you know. <laughs> and then, and then of course, you know, their personalities, when they emerge, um, have them help you with the direction they need to go. Because let's say I took one of the characters who along has been very framed as a good character and all of a sudden make them bad. You know, to me, that, that just doesn't fit in well. You know, some of them can maybe go off track for a bit, then they come back on. But just to totally reverse and go bad, I just find that disturbing you know, to do that to them. Yes, I can understand that as an author. Uh, you know, that's pretty much the same. There. They keep bothering you. They're there all the time and say, will you hurry up and finish the book, the trilogy, please? Yes. Well, I'm glad you feel the same way I do. I don't feel so nuts now. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, in your second book, which is the second in, the, in this amazing trilogy, uh, you know, the book Hope Eternal, um, I'm picking up that um, oh, Charlotte starts to question her relationship with Grant a bit here. Yes. So I'm thinking, hmm, is this Penny um, um, putting a little bit of romance into the book here? Is she spinning romance? Is there something going on here? Is there? Yes. Um, definitely. I mean, when you have two people that went through a very, um, hard time, you know, together, they form a bond. Now, whether that bond is going to develop into something more, you know, between two people, um, kind of just kind of depends, you know, on them and the situation, but with every story to make it fuller and make it more realistic, I mean, here you have, you know, a very lonely guy. He's been lonely for a long time. And you have this person who is the first of her kind, you know, kind of coming together and they go through all this uh, hardship together. Then, you know, they have a common bond, you know, and what happens in relationship? I mean, you know, you hear about people that <clears throat> in the real world, that get together, you know, in a workplace or something like that. They have a common relationship. But is it right? And that's where the questions come in. Is that enough to base a relationship on? Um, so I was just trying to put a different, uh, not a different level, but a fuller level to the story, you know, as far as trying to make it as realistic as possible. 
And that's important. And um, I, I totally agree. And of course, uh, Charlotte is, um, you know, the only timekeeper, isn't she? Um, which only is female. Only female, yes, uh, yes. timekeeper. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you a question here, Penny. Um, looking back on your life, do you regret not uh, writing earlier on? I do. You know, when you're younger and you have so much ahead of you, you know, and of course you also think, okay, with a writer, you have to be really good to get enough money to support yourself, you know? And, um, and my family, you know, especially my dad, you know, he told me from when I was, you know, in junior high on, you're going to college, you know, um, you're, you're going to get an education and whatever you want. So um, because of, you know, uh, I enjoyed working with animals, that's where I wound up going to vet school, but I was writing before then. Um, I wrote short essays when I was young that I remember getting like second prize for one uh, or something like that. It was a Mother's Day little short thing. And I would have, <laughs> I would just run imaginary worlds through my head all the time, you know? So I was set up to start writing, but it was like, I needed to get into something that, that I knew would be like a service-based. Um, and my dad, although he uh, eventually in my later years kind of, encouraged me when he learned that I was starting to actually write things to like share. Um, but I think at that point, he just wanted to make sure I could make a living, you know? So, and I've enjoyed veterinary medicine. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, but I, I still wanted to write. I wrote um, pet articles for a small town uh, newspaper for a while. Uh, I wrote uh, client communication sheets, you know, to educate clients. You know, so I, I wrote and I wrote children's stories back when, um, you know, I was uh, I started when I was pregnant with my my first one, you know, my daughter. And um, and that's the, the conglomerate of children's stories that that's out there. But so it's always there in the background. But now it's like breaking through that, that wall of sharing it with other people, you know, that fear of, OK, they're going to tell me, you know, don't quit your day job, you know. Um, that, you know, so when I broke through that, I started writing more. I'm actually hoping that once I retire from veterinary medicine, I can go into writing full time that hopefully I've got enough traction, you know, to, uh, be able to make it work, you know? So although I love sharing stories, that's in making money isn't my, my prim primary thing. It sure is nice, you know, to have a little bit to work off of. Uh, I'm sure you understand that as an author. Oh, I but, sure do. Sure do. Yeah. So, so in a way, getting, when we're getting the third book, yeah. When we're getting the third book, Penny. The third book. Um, actually, I it's written. Uh, I'm going through and I'm I'm doing the initial proofread. You know, it's in its rough draft. Probably about the second rough draft now. Um, I still have a little bit more work to do in it. Uh, I find I write. The, pretty much a basic skeleton, and I flesh it out each time I go through it. And um, that after that, I'm going to send it to my editor and let her do her bit and polishing it up. And then I need to decide what I'm going to do with it. 
um, the people who put out the uh, the the uh, that I republished the Time Stealers through one of the first and second one. I'm not sure if I'm going to go through them again or if I'm going to go through Amazon again. That's where they originally were, or I, I'm still trying to decide what I'm going to do with them when to get you know out into the public. So if I get a traditional publisher interested in this, then maybe they'll help me with that. But um, I, that's, you know, um, people are trying, you know, to help me, um, you know, get that in front of them. Uh, but as far as now, it's like, okay, I hadn't heard anything yet. So I, I'll figure out what I'm going to do to get it out there. Yeah. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, Dr. Penny, Penny Claus, thank you so much for coming on my show, Talking Books. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I've learned so much about clocks, about time rats, about timekeepers when I've been looking at your book. Everybody, these are, this is a phenomenal trilogy. And I have to say, I have been blown away and taken back by the, the depth that Penny goes into with her storyline and the twists and the turns and the mystique and the excitement as I turn the pages. It is a real turnover page for all of you guys, especially those of you who love dark fantasy and sci-fi. So it's just for me to say, Dr. Penny, thank you very much. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed uh, my little chat with uh, Dr. Penny today. And as I said, you know, you can go and search on um, P. Claus for her books on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And if you're in the UK, like me, you can go and search on Waterstones and they'll audit for you. But all it leaves me to say now is I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever I am in the world. Until next time, stay safe. Mm-hmm.